Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we engage in our family Bible studies in the Gospel of St. Luke. I'd like to begin today's program by asking you two questions. Question one, what two words sum up and define the heart of our religion? And a cousin question, what same two words should be engraved in gold letters over the main doors of all our Catholic churches? I'll be answering those questions in today's broadcast, but first let's get to our scripture in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form as a dove, and a voice came from heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. Now, I'm going to try to answer those two questions we began the show with by trying to dig into these two verses in Luke chapter 3, and we're going to do it in four steps, A, B, C, and D. A, when God the Father speaks from heaven, it's a good idea to pay close attention. B, the Father proclaims that Jesus is his beloved Son. Great. Now, how does this apply to our lives? C, 151 times in the New Testament, primarily in St. Paul's epistles, we are told over and over and over that we are in Christ. And now D, what does being in Christ mean? Well, it's the earth-shaking truth that we also are children of the Father and loved by him as Jesus is loved by him. And the two words that should be engraved in gold are the words paternoster, or our father. You know, I have a lot of books, perhaps too many. I'm not going to tell you how many because I'm embarrassed. But there's only one book in my entire library that has anything quite like this written in the front for my descendants after I'm long gone. So if the book isn't tossed out, it says this, written by me. The value of this book is inestimable. All that one needs to know and learn during one's earthly pilgrimage can be found within its pages. The introduction should be read 100 times. And this book, entitled Children of God, was a gift from Scott and Kimberly Hahn way back in 1994. Now, before you jump on your phone and try to find Children of God, far as I could tell, the long out-of-print used copies are not available. But what I did in my book on justification, 
I mined the gold out of this book, and it's on page 60, chapter 7 of my book, Grace and Justification, that I have the essence of this. And you might be asking yourselves, well, what does becoming a child of God have anything to do with justification? Hang on, we're going to get to that. But let me share with you what Father Kutaj says in this book, Children of God. Our divine adoption, that's becoming a child of God, is the central concept of Christianity. The truth to which all the others relate and toward which they all converge. The truth through which they become clear. All other truths flow from it as from their source, radiate from it as from their center, and rest upon it as their foundation. Now, just catch this. If you're simply teaching a long list of truths of the Catholic faith and don't have the central concept front and center, seen as foundation, the, the point in which all these other truths converge and relate to and emanate back out from, you're going to have a great time being lost in the forest because the, the clarity of the truth of the faith becomes lost in the confusion of the list of truths, good truths, but you don't have the grasp of the whole. He goes on, God loves us as a father. The words pater noster, they are father, that Jesus himself placed at the beginning of the prayer might well be engraved in gold letters over the portals of all our churches to sum up and define what is taught in them and the substance and purpose of their religious ceremonies. God is our Father, and we are his children. That is the whole of our holy religion. Now, let me ask you a question. Could your children answer that question? What, what's the center of our, of our faith? Could your children's teachers or catechists answer that question? If you're a Catholic homeschooler, could you answer that question? If this is the center of the faith, we need to center our focus on it. The central concept of Christianity is our divine adoption as a child of God. You know, several years ago, while I was a Protestant evangelical minister, I came across this question. How can you tell if a person really understands the message of the New Testament? And at the time, I wasn't too long out of seminary. I knew New Testament Greek pretty well, thought I was a hotshot. And when I came across this answer, whoa, I got the wind knocked out of my sails. How can you tell if a person really understands the message of the New Testament? Notice how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. Wow, I dropped to my knees. I, I really need to get a grasp on this. I had no idea where this would lead because if you really want to understand the answer to that question, understand the core, the center, the foundation, the unity point of the Catholic faith.
What is the church? It's not that building down on 4th and Main. The church is the society of the children of God. It's the family of the Heavenly Father. Now, let's talk a little bit of why my mining that essence from that book, Children of God, and putting it in a book entitled Justification. Why is that in there? Well, let me share with you a difference between Protestantism and Catholicism regarding the whole point of how we are saved or how we are justified. In the Protestant setting, justification is essentially coming into a courtroom as a guilty person, and God is our judge, and he makes a legal proclamation that we are not guilty. And hey, that's wonderful, and there's nothing really wrong with that as long as it doesn't take the central place. Now, you might ask, well, don't Protestants believe in adoption? Yes, they do. Absolutely. They believe in a divine adoption where we become children of God. But let me try to give you an illustration on how it works in Protestantism. Um, maybe not in theory as much as in practice, but maybe in theory too. The center of everything in Protestantism is justification. That's what started all of the Protestant break with the Catholic Church. And and adoption is kind of an add-on item. Think of like if you're ordering something from Amazon, everybody does this, and what you want is one of those prime uh, objects that you want to buy because you're going to get free shipping, and great. You see something else that's valuable and that you want that's good, and you click on it, and then it says, oh, this is an add-on item. In other words, <laughs> it's only good if you get something else and it's kind of added on. And, you know, you might leave that in your shopping cart for another day or whatever, but it's, it's kind of in a secondary status. Now, in Catholicism, the prime image isn't a courtroom, it's a family room. And getting saved isn't just a legal decree. Getting saved is like being a Jewish boy grabbing your inheritance and going out and blowing your inheritance on prostitutes and riotous living and ended up as a Jewish boy feeding pigs and understanding like, hmm, I'm going to come to my senses. I'm going to go home to my father. I'm not worthy to be a member of the family anymore, but I just if I could be a servant in my father's household, I'd be better off than what I am. And I'm talking about Luke 15, of course. And the prodigal son comes back and he's received and embraced by the father as his child. That is salvation according to Catholicism. That's your prime item. Um, <laughs> you know, the courtroom stuff, that's maybe an add-on item. This is the major difference between Catholic and Protestant nature of salvation. In fact, the Council of Trent amazingly has a very succinct paragraph summarizing what Catholics believe about justification. And it's it's vastly different from Protestantism. It says that the justification of the sinner is a translation from a state, a state of being, of being born in Adam. In other words, we are all connected as human beings, even though as Americans we like to see ourselves as rugged individualists, we're connected. And that's why uh, perhaps you don't need to teach a child how to lie or fight with his brother or sister, because we're in Adam. 
And it says justification is a translation from being in that state of life, of being in Adam, to being in Jesus Christ, our Savior, the second Adam. And so justification is is being in Jesus. And what does this mean? Well, in Luke chapter 3, the Father is saying from heaven, the heavens open at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's coming down, and then a voice from heaven, thou art my son with whom I am well pleased. Well, if we're in Christ, Christ is, is, is our second Adam. He is where our being is now located, and the Father sees us as he sees his son, as beloved children. You know, I have a problem with the way we're conveying the faith and I think some very well-intended efforts, and I'll put myself in this, that if you seek to provide 101 answers to questions people have about Catholicism, we actually could be diluting the faith a bit. Because if remember from that book I just read from, Children of God, this is the center from which all the truths relate. This is their center. This is their foundation. This is how they radiate back out. This is the core of it. And if we get lost in a lot of details in the forest, we could be just wandering about from tree to tree, admiring how nice is this tree, how nice is that tree, and never get what the whole forest, what the whole Catholic faith is about. Stephen Covey wrote a very popular book entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it sold something like 25 million copies. And here's the thing I like out of that book. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Let me say that again. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. In other words, if being in Christ as an adopted child of the Heavenly Father is the main thing, when's the last time you heard a caller to a Catholic show ask about being a child of God? Or how can I come to a deeper knowledge of knowing I'm God's child? Or when's the last time you were at a conference and had a whole talk devoted to our divine adoption, being children of God. In other words, this should be the main thing. And as long as we have the main thing, we've got the main thing. We've got the center. And this is the energy that keeps us vibrant Catholic believers and not ones that wander off, which brings me to the most important question for parents in the 21st century. This is my marching orders at Faith and Family Radio for the 21st century, and it's this. How can we as parents help spiritually form our children so that they don't grow up and fall away or drift away as teens or young adults? As you know, the majority of Catholic youth, even if though they were catechized, even though if they were sent to Catholic schools, had the sacraments or whatever, the majority, it's over 60% now, are drifting or falling away from the faith. And, and the question is, how can we keep them rooted in the Catholic faith? And I kind of, I, not kind of, I do come back right to this scene of Jesus being declared from heaven uh, in a very 
uh, dramatic fashion to being the beloved son of God. And if we are in Christ, and St. Paul repeats that 151 times, because we probably don't get it the first 150 times, that we get this knowledge that we are loved by the Father to a degree that exceeds our imaginations. But there's an experiential knowledge that this has to come with. Because if you notice at the baptism of Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit comes like a dove and then this declaration comes. And Jesus is kind of a pattern for us because at our baptism, we are joined to the family of God. We are declared a child of God. But in a practical sense, as Pope Benedict explained, this is like a seed planted in the heart of a child, but it needs the watering of the Holy Spirit to bring it to life, to sprout to life. And what's needed to bring this to life, and hear this very, very carefully, is not simply conveying to a classroom, uh, you are God's child and God loves you, because most kids will just take that fact and store it in some remote part of their brain, this kind of uh, unused storage compartment where abstract facts are dumped. What they need is an experiential knowledge that's brought to them by the Holy Spirit. And it really helps as that whoever is trying to convey this, parent, teacher, deacon, priest, Whoever's trying, radio host, <laughs> whoever's trying to convey this, it really helps if you've been impacted by this yourself. And you can't, as much as you would like to, just kind of force feed this to your children, whatever, but if it's impacted your life, you'll at least know to pray that the Holy Spirit will make this a reality in your child's life. Let me take you to the first century Roman Catholic Church. And it's a letter that St. Paul wrote to the first Roman Catholics, and it's his epistle to the Romans. Chapter 5 and verse 5 I consider so important. It says this, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. See, (laughs) the love of God the Father— and the experiential knowledge of having God as one's father and being a child of God comes by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't come from Steve's broadcast, doesn't come from Mrs. So-and-so's catechism class, and it doesn't come necessarily from mom and dad. Yes, we can kind of uh, set the scene, so to speak, and maybe even create the hunger and point our hand in the direction to go, but it's essentially the Holy Spirit that brings us. And this isn't just like, "Uh uh-huh. No, this is like molten lava being poured into your heart. This is the ultimate experience of being a human being is connecting with God the Father. This This is what it's all about. This is what salvation is. Human destiny, it says in Romans 8, will be wound up and we have our full inheritance as adopted children of God. Which brings me to Romans 8. Let's go and see what went on in the first century Roman Catholics. It might have been a little bit noisier than what we are acquainted with. St. Paul says, you have received the spirit of sonship. You see, St. Paul calls the Holy Spirit and in, in one of its main functions is to bring to us the reality of divine sonship, that we are sons and daughters of God, the spirit of sonship. 
You have received the spirit of sonship when we cry, Abba, Father. These were spontaneous exclamations by first century Roman Catholics saying, God, you're our Father. St. Paul says when this happens, it's the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You don't need a multiple choice uh, quiz or a catechism book. I mean, don't get me wrong, <laughs> those are all good, but this is, this is the core, and I'm afraid that Catholics are following Protestants. Protestants treat adoption as something good, something desirable, something wanted, but it's an add-on item. And add-on items sometimes are left in your shopping cart. No, in Catholicism, divine adoption is your prime focus. But I'm afraid in our efforts to convey so much, so many things, we've lost sight of the main thing and the parts don't have any cohesion and they don't last. Because if you get this, if you have the Holy Spirit saying, Abba, Father, in your heart, and you know that you're a child of God, you don't need even somebody to tell you that, then you've got it. Then you're, you're locked in. And we need to be aware that there are a number of things, but I'm going to talk about one of the main things that can really mess this thing up. Because being made a child of God is a gift of God's grace. It's not climbing climbing any spiritual mountain or spiritual ladder or striving or anything else like that. It's a gift from God. It's unobtainable. We don't deserve it. We couldn't merit it for ourselves. But there's a book of the Bible. It's an epistle in Galatians. And a lot of people don't realize that Paul's epistle to the Galatians is loaded, particularly the last half of his epistle, with references to the Holy Spirit, which particular references to the spirit of adoption or spirit, uh, spirit of sonship, the promise of the Father. These are all references to the Holy Spirit and how it brings us into the family of God. But the whole point of St. Paul, man, he's bringing a bulldozer and a nuclear bomb to this epistle. It's the, it's the liveliest epistle in the New Testament. He is confronting legalism that puts a wall between a person and the spirit of sonship, that knowledge, that, that union you have with God. Because if you try to earn your way into the family of God or so that you're not expelled and sent to hell. You try to do it without getting God's love first, center, and the main thing. I will declare in the name of St. Paul, not of Steve Wood, you will fail because rather than the fruits of the spirit, spirit, there'll be the works of the flesh. Now, here is the key to the Christian life. Two verses from one of the simplest books of the New Testament. When you're learning Greek, you really need to go to the simplest place first because it's hard. And 1 John is the simplest Greek, the clearest, and the deepest. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says this, We love because he 
first loved us. Now, my job isn't to tickle ears. Every now and then, I try to challenge folks. And I dare say, in a lot of our very, very, very well-intended efforts, we're reversing this. We're trying to get kids to love God before we really get it across to them that they are loved. In other words, they're trying to earn God's love. And what a nice thing to do or respond to God's love, but we love because he first loved us. This has to be primary in the spiritual development, and it has to be repeated because all believers like to take exits off the main highway. It's just, I've begun in my prayer life to start praying that I don't take exits, want to stay with the main thing, and that's we love because he first loved us. So what kind of love is that? Well, we back up a chapter in 1 John, chapter 3 and verse 1. And by the way, if you need these verses, I'd be delighted to send them to you. Just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com and send me those verses about being a child of the Heavenly Father. They'll come your way. This is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. See what love the Father has given us. Okay, see, now this is the thing that prompts lifelong faithful obedience. This is the thing that provides the fuel so you don't drift away in the late teens or young adulthood. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. And why are we loved? Back to Luke 3. Heaven was open. God declared from heaven, see, this is my beloved son. And in 151 times, the New Testament tells us we're in Christ. We are in that love. And that's the, our liberation. That's how we then can respond by loving God all of our life. That is Christianity. That's the main thing. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Religious obligations to-do list might last for a while, But I dare say they're not working too well in the 21st century with all the problems of paganism. The early Catholics had God's love experienced in their hearts. It was God's love was poured into their hearts. And as a result, they were exclaiming from the depths of their beings, Abba, Father. So what are those two words? that sum up and define the heart of our religion? What same two words should be on the doors or above the doors in golden letters as we enter all of our churches? Our Father. That's the heart of the Catholic faith because through Jesus, we become his children. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 232 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.